All you cool people, you better leave now, because it's about to happen. All right, so after a loss like last night, you know, you have to bring someone in to clear your head, clear the cobwebs, and see if you're thinking right. For me, I think it was a good thing the Toronto Maple Leafs lost. They were rolling for a while. Uh, they backslid a little bit against Montreal, didn't finish it out in the third, and then they let an Ottawa team come back. They took their foot off the gas, and, you know, they got chin-checked a little bit and realized that, hey, you can get run over like a guy by Chuck, and you can get scored on by a team like Ottawa. And, you know, if you don't keep the pressure in the way you're supposed to play going, this will happen. And I said it in my little video before the game. It could be a wrench in your plans if you think you're just going to walk over Ottawa because they are a hard-working team and they'll want to score on you. And no team wants to be down 5-1. You think they're going to quit? Nope. But, Nick, what do you think? Well, I think for the Toronto Maple Leafs, uh, I tend to agree that it just uh, they had a tremendous start in that North Division and maybe to the point where you start wondering if they start running away with this thing, whether or not they're going to be in a position to truly be ready, uh, you know, when they, when the season's on the line. Uh, and then perhaps if, even if they get out of their division, how are they going to be set up in a conference final? So I think adversity is a good thing for the Toronto Maple Leafs. I probably would say that you can – you can learn a lot more about yourself blowing a 5-1 lead than, than winning 5-1 at, at this stage of, of this compressed season. So little adversity is good for the Toronto Maple Leafs. It will help build, uh, I think, a, a better picture for them mentally once the, the, the second season starts, the one that counts, the playoffs. Well, the reason why I think it's a good thing myself is you look at a team a couple seasons ago in the Tampa Bay Lightning. They went through the the NHL like a knife through hot butter, and they got to the playoffs, and a team like Columbus took them out. A team that was willing to work hard, um, you know, didn't have all the superstars and everything in the world, but they were able to take out the Tampa Bay Lightning because Tampa didn't face too much adversity. A lot of things rolled off their back like, you know, a water on a duck's back. And, you know, for Toronto... This may be the easiest division they get to play in in a long time. There's no Bostons. You know, there's no uh, no teams that can really crush them. There's no Tampas. You know, Florida was on the rise. Um, but you look at teams in their division right now. You look at Calgary, not exactly the, the top of the heap. I had them going to be one of the teams in the top of the North Division, but they're not there. Vancouver's a shell of themselves. Ottawa is where everybody thought they were. I thought they'd be a bit better. And, of course, Montreal is on a bit of a roll, too. But, really, who is testing your medal every night? There's not a whole lot testing it. And, you know, when you get this, it's kind of a slap in the face. Like, hey, wake up. You know, this can happen to you. It can happen to any team. And I look back and people are already saying, oh, last night, they, the Keith should be doing this. And this guy should be traded. And I can't believe this player is there. And it's like, listen, it's one game. If you look back last year at Tampa or St. Louis or anyone who's won the Cup, there's been games throughout the season where they've lost. And it's a statement loss, is what I call it, because it's one that makes you look in the mirror and say, what can we do better? And last night, Nick, I want to ask you, what players stood out to you, not on the good side, because there's lots of good to talk about, goal scoring, puck movement, things like that, but what players stood out to you on the negative side? For me, it was Bogosian and Freddie. Well, I think defensively, there's... There were concerns before the season started. There have been concerns the last few years. And 
uh, it'll always revolve around their blue line and where they are and outside of Morgan Riley uh, controlling the pace of play they, they really don't have anyone else and you know Muzzin's been uh, a pretty solid defender that could easily you know slotted on a championship team be uh, a two three but definitely a, a top four but outside of that it gets a little dicey I can appreciate TJ Brody for his skill set but I'm just not sure where Brody is on a game game seven scenario you know in a physical series so a lot of question marks still for the Toronto Maple Leafs and again maybe maybe a loss like that gets them to not only look at themselves in the mirror and say how I can be better on the ice, but even Kyle Dubas and, and Shanahan to understand that maybe we, our, our lineup still has some deficiencies when it comes to trying to close out playoff series against the Boston, against the Tampa Bay, heavier, bigger teams. And we really haven't seen that pushback in the North Division no. And uh, that's a bit of an issue here for me. So are you are you going to be satisfied with a team that can get out of the north, or are you going to try to build a team that can win it all this season? I'm not sure where their management team want, want to go on that just yet. Well, I mean, I look at this squad, and there's one player I want to talk about before we talk into scenarios and different things, because there's a lot of things bouncing around right now that may help the Toronto Maple Leafs, may not. But a player for me that I wanted more out of this season, and his name is in trade bait rumors, is Alexander Kerfoot. I look at this guy, and I look at his face-offs, and I've harped on it all season long. There's a couple of games where he's been dynamite in the dot, but more often than not, He's well below 50%, sometimes even below 25%. And this is a guy that is supposed to be taking draws in your defensive zone. They want to make that line with Hyman and Mikheyev and make it more defensive-minded. Um, but if you're not winning that draw in your zone and controlling the puck, then you're instantly already in the hole. And if that's your third line going out against even the second or first line of the other team, you're, you're pooched. And I look at Kerfoot, I'm like, when I saw you in the bubble last year, you were winning key draws. Your legs were flying. You were dynamite on the penalty kill. I know it was only five games, but if that Kerfoot showed up this season, I don't think he's in any rumors. I don't think you're talking about him. But it doesn't seem like he's there. And, and Nick, I'm wondering for you, has Kerfoot, you know, done it in your eyes, what the Leafs want him to do? I don't think so. No, not for me. Uh, I If I'm going to play that, that checking role, if I'm going to have uh, a third-line center... Excuse me. That can go out against any line, and and give you some serious pushback. I need him to be a lot more physical than Kerfoot. Now, uh, you know this is also a guy that Kyle Dubas targeted, and you know say what you will about that whole trade, but hasn't worked out well. Uh, in a perfect world, I'm sure Lee fans would rather have Kadri in that slot than. Kerfoot, but hindsight's twenty twenty. The only question is, is do you think that you could win four rounds with Kerfoot as your third line centerman? And for me, it's it's just not enough. He just doesn't bring enough to the table to do that. 
Uh, he's also a guy that you extended. I think he's at three and a half million bucks. Yep. Um, and I, I just think that that's too much. And if the Leafs can get underneath uh, uh, that contract, I think it wouldn't be a bad thing. And just, you know, call that trade a, a bit of a wash, you know, um, and one that maybe Kyle Dubas can learn off of. But Kerfoot, to me, is not, it's not a guy that, can push back opponents. He can with his speed. We know those lanes dry up in the playoffs. Yep. We know that uh, it's a different look. It's a different game. Power plays uh, dry up. Five on five. You'd be lucky if you get two or three power plays a game in the playoffs, and you're really in a five on five scenario. So, you know, Kerfoot's the kind of guy that it would be hard for Kyle to move because it would be the stamp that says that uh, you know I failed on that on the cadre trade but you, you got to do what you got to do moving forward for me Kerfoot's a, a good player but I need more I need more size and more presence in the third slot so that brings us to what we were talking about online last night and that's the the Samuel Bennett trade and you look at that I just wonder if it's you know a lot of people say he's more tough. He, he's more playoff built um, and ready for that kind of battle. And maybe, you know, like you said to Doug, it, it gives Calgary that one, two, three down the middle that they haven't had and maybe gives them a little bit more speed on their third line. Um, but for the Leafs, I look at Bennett and I'm just wondering, does he complete what Kyle Dubas is trying to do? Because if you can make that trade happen and get Bennett, then maybe you're able to make the trade that happened with Kadri look a little bit better because if Bennett comes in and does exactly what he's advertised to do, be physical, be a net front presence, you know, in that defensive role, clear guys out, etc., and then be that battle-tested guy in the playoffs that gives you more pushback, then I think you come out looking a little bit more like Roses, but I'm wondering, will he give that identity to that role, and does he have to be, you know, with a guy like Hyman and Mikheyev to make that happen? I mean, And then for to get him, you were saying Nick Robertson, and I mean, he looks almost as far as an untouchable for Kyle Dubas as anybody, but I mean, I guess if you're going for it, you have to start swinging for the fences sometime. Yeah, and that's the whole point out of that conversation. And it kind of took a life of its own after we uh, we we said it on uh, on our show, and then... What show is that, by the way? The Real Kipper. <laughs> Thanks for the plug. Thanks for the plug. And... At no time did we say that it, it was going to do it, uh, or, or that's. But we were just putting out scenarios on on what it would take, and you know the the challenge here for the Leafs and Calgary, if they were even to have a conversation, which we assume that they have, is what does Calgary think that they're trading, and what do the Leafs think that they're trading for? And if you go by just uh, the optics. Of, of how Sam Bennett's been used, then the price isn't that high. But I think Tree Living still values what Bennett can do, you know, physically in the playoffs. And I think that's where he says, no, you're, you're trading for more of a, a fourth pick overall than you are a third line, you know, or a bottom six forward. 
and then the Leafs are going, well, you play him like a bottom six forward most of the time. So it's 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 a tricky, tricky trade. But those guys don't grow on trees. There are not that many that are out there, and that in itself drives the price for Sam Bennett. And he is a physical guy, and we've seen it in the past, that he can piss people off, and he can bring a grit uh, that, very seldom, you know, have we seen in the past out of Leaf teams in the playoffs, especially against Boston, and it would be a welcomed addition. So what's the price for that? It's not just, uh, it's just not just a, 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 a prospect. It would have to be, I think, a, a, a topper and guy. And I think that's what the ask would be. That's, that's why I, I threw it out there, that that's what tree living would go for. And, of course, the Leafs are in a catch-22 here where they're damned if they do, damned if they don't. You know, Nick Robertson is going to be a good NHL player, if not a great NHL scorer. But we won't know that for at least a few years. And by then, is Morgan Riley on your team? Is Anderson on your team? The yeah. cap's still the same. We don't know where the Leafs are going to be two years from now, and maybe this is their best opportunity to win a Stanley Cup. We won't know that, but that's something that Kyle Dubas is paid to figure out. So in saying that, uh, if it's not Sam Bennett, then who is it? But the Leafs need this type of guy. Look at, just look at the what Wayne Simmons has been able to bring, and I don't, I don't necessarily put Wayne as a real physical guy five on five, but he does bring a, an, an edge and an element that keeps other teams a lot more honest and maybe makes a few people nervous. And he's really it. Hyman's a hard checker, but no one's looking over their shoulder when Hyman's coming and getting a little nervous. Yeah. They, they don't have anybody else in that lineup. Engwell doesn't do it. Kerfoot doesn't do it. Mihailov doesn't do it. They'll, they'll beat you with your, their speed. But, like I said, lanes dry up in the playoffs, and now you've got to be a lot more forceful. And I think that the Leafs, if, it, if it's not Sam Bennett, then it's somebody else that the Leafs need to get for, for that pushback. And it, it will be expensive. They're not cheap guys because there's not that many of them out there. Yeah, and I agree with you. I, I, I know that's what the Leafs need. And you look at them playing Boston, and you look at what Tampa did last year. You went out and got a Barclay Goodrow. You went out and got a Blake Coleman yeah. for those and kind of And what did you things. pay for those? And what did you pay for those? A premium. First, an absolute premium. First rounders. First rounders. So you tell me now. You yeah. tell me, you know, prior to that, how far off or better before those trades happened did you have Barkley Goodrow over Sam Bennett or, or Coleman? Like, I mean, you probably would have had him in the same ballpark. But so the th- if you're not going to give up a first-rounder for Sam Bennett, you better give me something decent, real, real decent. And, I mean, if the, here, here's my thing. And if the Leafs are in that mode where, hey, this is our window, and this may be one of the best versions of this team, I know the Canadian division's a little bit watered down, and sorry to any other fan base that hears that and says, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, but it is true. I mean, you look at the top of this thing, the cream is Toronto and Montreal, and everybody else files in accordingly after that. But 
this is the opportunity for the Leafs. Okay, then you go for it. Then you spend that first-round pick. And I know picks are a hot commodity, but if you want to win, you have to spend. And I said it to you yesterday online, a player to me that comes to mind, and I mean, maybe it's not that guy, but Ryan Getzlaff comes to mind. He's a free agent at the end of the year. He's, you know, at the end of his career, but he still brings it every night. He's still a professional. He's another veteran guy, and he reminds me a lot of Doug Waite when he used to bounce around at every trade deadline from team to team to team to team. I mean, that could be a guy that comes in and can play up and down your lineup and does bring a little bit of Western snarl as well. I mean, is he going to fight? No, but he's a bit more of a bigger body than some of the guys they have, and who knows what the price tag is there. But, I mean, you look at a guy like that, and like I said, I hearken it to a Doug Waite. Maybe he goes to a different team, goes back to the Ducks again in the offseason, rinse and repeat if the Ducks aren't good at the trade deadline again next year. I wonder what you think about a guy like that. Yeah, I, you know, the good news is that, you know, he's on an expiring contract. Um, but even even at the trade deadline, I think he'd probably add around two and a half, three million dollars. Um, I, I just don't know. I don't know if the Leafs can add that. Well, um, if you get Anaheim you know, to eat some salary. Right. Yeah. Um, listen, Ryan Getzlav would, would be great. I think that one would probably change the makeup of the team completely, and I'm not sure the Leafs would want to do that at some point. Uh, there's only so much ice time. And if you've got Matthews and Marner kind of leading the way with 23 or 24 minutes, I just, I'm just not sure where you're going to kind of fit in a, a Ryan Getzlav, you know, and then there's there's Tavares, and I don't know if you've noticed, but Tavares' minutes, you know, are a lot less now than, than Matthews, and, you know, there's a little bit of a frustration going on with Tavares a little bit, you know, with uh, the even strength chances and, you know, all of that, so... I mean, I don't know what a guess lab would change the dynamic completely of the uh, of the group up front. I just don't know if you need that big of a shock kind of guy. Whereas Sam Bennett or a type of player like Sam Bennett can come in more as an accessory, you know, to the look. Yeah. Opposed to completely shock. Getzlav still has, I think, you know, some good game in him. I just don't think that he's He's quite ready to come in and, and be, you know, a, a role player to... to. I look at um, Ryan Getzlav and I think about, like I said, the Doug Wave factor. But I, I, I agree what you're saying. It would add a shock. It would be something different for this team that would have to absorb, you know, more ice time. And I want to ask you, before we keep talking about trades here, John Tavares, um, would I be wrong in saying that he looks a little different this year? He, he started off a little all right. But, um, yeah, he, he doesn't get the ice on the Matthews does, but he also doesn't look like he has that spark that he had when he was playing with a guy like Mitch Barner. And I've been saying it online, maybe put Marner back on his line because Matthews can obviously well, drive his line. And, and Willie Nylander and JT don't look like they have the maximum amount of chemistry. No, they struggled last night, and we saw that uh, horrific giveaway by John Tavares up uh, the middle of the ice. So... There needs to probably be something done. You'd hate to tear apart Matthews and Marner, but you know if if it continues to be an issue, 
then I, I could certainly see John Tavares asking for Mitch Marner back uh, to get his game going. And sometimes as a coach, you know, you have to do that. You got to, you know, rob Peter to pay Paul a little bit sometimes. And uh, I got to think that at some point that there's going to have to be a couple changes. Hyman, you know, is supposed to be that guy with Thornton coming back. But then you worry about, you know, sometimes taking away from Hyman's game a little bit, yep. you know? Oh, yeah. So, um, listen, John Tavares is a great scorer. He'll, he always gets his cookies. Uh, you know, the, he finds a way, even if he goes, you know, two or three games without a point, he, he can still find a way to get his points. But John Tavares will never be that emotional leader, that guy that, uh, you know, has a lot of pushback. He's just going to have to continue to be the guy that gets his points, and and you hope that's just good enough. But you know the the other part of it is, you know he he's not a gifted skater, and at times, you know it catches up to him a little bit, and he's not going to get any faster in his career. It's just it's a it's a slower uh, uh, you know uh, digression in terms of his foot speed, but, you know, that at times it can be an issue for him. So, you know, it is what it is. You just hope that, you know, he can get his points and hopefully not me, uh, uh, William Nylander can get going a little bit here. Uh, but Nylander's kind of the same way. They're never going to stand out for anything else except getting points on the board. And sometimes there's a lot of points you know, when they find the puck and the puck's coming to them, but when when the when it doesn't come to them, uh, it gets a little tricky. Yeah, well, that's what I mean. Like for me, I know Matthews can do magic with Thornton and Willie Nylander, and I think if you want to give a shot in the arm and roll two lines, because I mean that second line right now looks listless to me. I mean they'll get their opportunities here and there, but it's not what it was when it was JT and Marner and Hyman. Uh, you throw Willie up top with uh, Matthews and Thornton. I could see it working. I understand what you're saying. Matthews and Marner love to play together, and they get a little grumpy when they don't get to. But, I mean, if you could spread it around a little bit more and give teens more to think about, more to deal with, I think that's the ideal, in my opinion, my, the ideal situation. Because you're right, John Tavares' foot speed is not there. But if you have a guy like Mitch Marner with the foot speed and the hockey IQ, which I think, unfortunately for Willie Nylander, he's not up there with Marner in terms of that. Um, he can help JT go. And people are saying online to me that, you know, well, JT should be able to drive his own line. Well, I think he can, but you need chemistry. You can play, put three great players together. They just don't have the chemistry. It's not going to work. You know, so I look at John Tavares and I see who he had chemistry with and say maybe you need to go back to that for a little bit and get his legs back, get his confidence back, get them all rolling, and then you can do whatever you want beyond that because when you're rolling, we all know things start to go in and everybody's feeling good and loose. But right now I look at John Tavares and I want him to get going is what I want him to do. Well, and these are the uh, – we often say that the regular season's a dress rehearsal to the real season and that's the playoffs, but this is what the regular season's supposed to do for you. Keep in mind – they're 11, 3, and 2. Yeah. Right? So there's, there's no, you know, nobody's hair is on fire. No one's panicking. But at some point, you know, that's what 
the adversity is supposed to teach you during the regular season that when you need to make adjustments, that you do it. So I'm not sure what we're going to see in the next game against Ottawa, but I would think that Sheldon Keep wouldn't be too happy about the blown lead and, you know, to keep these players on their toes, it's not a bad thing to kind of come to practice and, and find yourself with a different colored practice jersey on, you know, and, and switch it up a little bit. But, you know, that's what you need, and that's what Sheldon Keefe's going to have to do. Can you imagine now they start the first round of the playoffs and they find themselves down, you know, 2-0 two, two or 2-1 in the series or, you know, heaven forbid you're down 3-2 and, and you've got to make some changes. And you're yeah. going to make those changes based on what you remember, how, how the players responded, you know, in game 15, in game 30, in game 45. Those are, those are why you make the changes. So when you need to make the changes in the playoffs, you can do them and have some, you know, some confidence in doing them. I got two last things for you here. One is on Jack Campbell. We'll touch on that last. Um, I want to look at this Toronto Maple Leafs deal. We touched on it for just a minute. Do you see them adding a piece to this defense? It doesn't seem like they're sold on Rasmus Sandin. He came in, made an impact, and was right back out when Dermott was healthy. And it doesn't seem like they're completely sold on Dermott either. Do you see them adding a piece to this D to put that defense core over the top? Obviously, it would probably be someone on an expiring deal, or maybe like Kyle Dubas likes to borrow from the Alex Anthopoulos thing where you get a player with a little bit of control, maybe a year left on it. But do you see them adding to that core? We've been saying this for two years now, right? Nothing's really changed. Uh, now, the the good part is that, you know, Justin Hall's completely taken his game to another level, and I think he's solidified that he is uh, a legit top four type of guy. He's playing in all key situations. Uh, I've been really impressed with him, and just seems that uh, he's added some stability for them for sure. So... The only question is, is how much more depth do you need? And, you know, Travis Dermott has been a guy that they've invested a lot of time on. Uh, it just seemed like he was out of their out of their good books to start the season. I think it's inevitable that at some point they're going to part their ways with him, either trade him at the deadline or expansion draft. Uh, Bogosian... You know, as a guy that sometimes can look real solid, other times he battles, and he battled the other night. But I, I just don't think as a group, uh, when we're looking at the, the top six here, uh, that that it, it would ever be perceived as good enough to win a Stanley Cup. So, you know, we, we talk about a Sam Bennett type of player up front. Uh, I, don't, I don't know how you feel comfortable about challenging in the event that you get to a conference final or Stanley Cup final just with this blue line. So, yes, yeah, I've ex- I've expected them <laughs> to trade for someone for two years now uh, to add depth to that blue line. Is there a name that jumps out in your mind that's a, a sandpaper kind of guy? That, uh, David that might, Savard. I was going to, yeah, Savard. And, I don't know why, Vatnin always comes to mind for me. He just seems like a little bit of a rat kind of player sometimes. Yeah. No, David Savard, uh, and again, we'll see where Columbus is, uh, but they've—he's, I believe he's on an expiring contract. He is, yep. So, 
So he he's the type of guy that they they could also use. Um, but we'll see. We'll see what comes available. We'll see what kind of what teams fall out of it. Which ones will make them certain players expendable? But I, I think still defending has been a challenge, and it's been it's been good, you know. But as as we alluded to at the beginning of this, they're not getting much of a pushback out of that Canadian division, and it it sets you up for not really knowing for sure what you have. Yeah, it's definitely one of those things. Like I said, it doesn't test your metal and. You know, you don't know what you're going to have until it starts to bend. And will it break or will it hold? And you look at Boston's and Tampa's, and even if you get into the Stanley Cup final and you go up against a Vegas or a St. Louis, are you matching them toe-to-toe? I don't think so. So you, you got to definitely get somebody. And hopefully maybe this is the year. Like I said, there's a theme about what we've talked about so far is, is this the year to at least finally push those ships in the center and say we're rolling with it? And they have the forward group, I think, to do it. Maybe with a Sam Bennett, it makes it that much better. But then you got to go something on the back end. And the last piece I want to ask you about is Jack Campbell. Obviously still doesn't look like he's on the ice, doesn't look like he's coming back. And it didn't seem like it was that serious. Have you heard anything about uh, Mr. Campbell? I, I still expect him to be back within, you know, a week or two. Uh, I didn't get the sense that uh, it was uh, anything too serious. But um, we'll, we'll see how that plays out. There's no question that they want him back ASAP. Uh, I think in many ways they still need some answers on him, especially with Anderson, you know, being in a position of, of needing a new contract as well and and whether or not, you know, they can pass the torch on to Jack Campbell. And I, I really believe that they've been grooming him for the last little while to take over for Anderson. Anderson will place himself out. Uh, all he has to do is look at Markstrom and look at uh, the contract that he got. And, you know, even if Anderson was to lose in the first or second round, I think he, he'd have no problem getting $6 million a year um, on the open market. So I, I don't think that the Leafs will go down that path uh, if, in fact, that they don't stare at a, a conference final or a Stanley Cup final. But they, they need Campbell back to, to continue to push Freddie. So, in your heart of hearts, then, you do you think this is the last go-around for Freddie Anderson and the Toronto Maple Leafs? Oh, this is go big or go home yeah. for Frederick Anderson as a Toronto Maple Leaf, absolutely. You don't think that he takes a, a hometown kind of deal to hang around with Matthews and be able to play with this group? Uh, why? I mean, he can, but, um, like, again, if, if yeah. he has some success here, like... Think about it. You for cash in as much as you can. Think, think about this for a second, okay? If if he's hanging around longer, it's because it's not because he got knocked out in the first round again. He, the, they'll fry him in this city if he loses in the first round or you know again. Like, why are you keeping him around? So, and and if he if he does have success. Why are you giving the hometown discount, right? So, yeah. Frederick Anderson, Frederick Anderson takes him to a conference final or Stanley Cup final. He wants to get paid. Yep. He doesn't want to. He's not taking. He's not taking five million or less than five million to hang around because you know he enjoys the winters in Toronto, <laughs> and you know he get he gets to sing karaoke, you know, 
um, with the guys, I mean, that's just, it's just not good enough. You know, he's going to want to get paid if he has success here in Toronto. Well, I do see him having success this year. Now, how far that takes him, you know, beyond the uh, conference final or the Stanley Cup final, we'll see. But uh, you're right. I, I love Freddie. I, I've loved Freddie since he came here. I think sometimes he gets a, a bum rap for the guys that were in front of him. Um, but, you know, you are the team you're on, and unfortunately it's been that way. And you're right, he's had a lot of first-round exits. So yeah. hopefully this year he well, last night, fire gets paid. Last night's a, a pretty prime example, right? When you're seeing, you know, tic-tac in front of you and you get Freddie out challenging your shooter and then you keep the back door open for empty netters, uh, he's felt that over the last few years. And... Uh, that that's where the Leafs are going to have to tighten up, and that's against the worst team in the league last night. So, yeah. uh, they they came down to earth a little bit, which again I think is ultimately a good thing. Is that you know it's easy to kind of get full of yourself a little bit. You're up five one. Everybody becomes cookie monsters. Everybody wants their goal, their points. Uh, pad the stats. Uh, I thought last night kind of brought them down to earth a little bit. And Montreal has experienced that last week against the Ottawa Senators. So you're never really as good as you think you are, but you're never really as bad either. So Yeah, well, I always like to say, when you lose like that, the sky isn't falling. It's just an opportunity to pick yourself up, dust yourself off, and get back at it. But I want to... When you look at where we are with salary caps and the challenges, uh, you know, in many ways you can you can say that about a lot of teams. And Tampa Bay's off to a great start without Kucherov, but then, you know, they give up a lot of goals to the Florida Panthers, and that kind of brings them back down to earth a little bit. So, should should set up uh, an interesting uh, regular season. Oh yeah, no, the rest of the season is going to be fun to watch, and I hope towards the playoffs we get you back on and. See where the Leafs are and see if they're going to be doing good. But, Nick, thank you very much for swinging by. Be sure to check out The Real Kipper at noon with Mr. Nick Kiprios. Thanks again, my friend. And, hey, and Doug McClain. Don't leave Doug McClain up because he's very sensitive. Very sensitive. Uh, And PEI's own Doug McClain. There you go. Nick Kiprios, friend of the show, swinging by to talk about the Toronto Maple Leafs and what they may do for the rest of the season. Just a fun little hockey chat. This is Offside Hockey Talk where hockey comes to talk.